All right, we ready? <clears throat> We're starting a new series this morning called Deeper. Are y'all awake this morning? I feel like I'm kind of talking to an empty room. My goodness gracious. Help me out a little bit. Are y'all awake? Are y'all ready to get in the word and hear a revelation from the Lord Jesus this morning? I mean, that's why we came, right? That is why we came. We got up on our Sunday mornings. We could be anywhere else, but God wants to speak to us this morning. So will you listen? Will you be awake? Will you be alive? Come on, church. Let's go. Come on now. I'm excited. I can't be excited for you, though. So this whole series, what we're talking about is we're going to, each week, we're going to take a verse and we're going to break it down and we're going to expound on it. We're going to look, look at the context of it. And it might be uh, a verse that you're familiar with. It might be one that you've never heard before, but that's okay. Because my hope is that no matter what place you're in in that, you leave here with a great understanding of what God tells us in these snippets of verses that, that, we, that we can say sometimes. But uh, as we continue to d- discover in in, in, in dissect the word, we realize that there is so much more depth to what Jesus says and what God is saying in his word than we could ever imagine just by skimming the surface, right? So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going deeper. And we're going to start this morning with none other than John 3.16. And I'm really pumped about this. This is, this is really good stuff that we're going to talk about this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to back up and we're going to really look at all the verses that lead up to John 3.16 and talk about the context of it and what God is really after in this verse that we say so many times and that we see on the eye pain of athletes and all that good stuff. So let's look at John 3, starting in verse 1 this morning. It says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Okay, let's stop right there. So here's what we know about this guy, Nicodemus. He's a Jewish leader and he's a Pharisee. And here's what he says about Jesus. He's not asking a question, first of all. Let's remember that. He's not asking a question. He's making statements here. He says, Rabbi, means teacher, says, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. That's a bold statement by a Pharisee. He says, we all know that God has sent you. All right? A little bit different than what we hear the Pharisees say about Jesus later on, right? But he is making a big confession here on behalf of what we don't know. But it says that we all know. So we can assume that that's other Pharisees or that's people that listen to Jesus or maybe it's a lot of the Jews within the synagogue. But he, he's not just saying, listen, I think that God was sent, by, you know, God sent you. He's saying we all know this. We all know. So he is testifying to Jesus that God sent him. And then he goes on to say, your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Those are big things that this Nicodemus is saying. Now he's saying them at night, which I think is also pretty interesting because one of the other times that we see Pharisees interacting with Jesus at night is a little bit different, right? They're not going to Jesus and saying, oh, God, God sent you here and you're, these miraculous signs that you're doing are evidence of this. You know, they're actually saying, hey, we're going to kill you now. That's what they're saying at night to Jesus then. But in this moment, at night, when no one else is looking, when no one else is around, Nicodemus is going to him and saying these things almost like he deserves a pat on the back, right? Like if you're going to say this and you're going to be this confident, why not say it when other people are looking? 
And so he says these statements to Jesus. And I, I love this about Jesus. In, in so many instances throughout the Gospels, someone will address Jesus with a statement or a question or a situation, a problem. And Jesus's response is like out in left field. He totally takes the conversation and does it, just veers this way, right? And he does that with Nicodemus here when he says this in verse three, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom. It's an odd response, isn't it? Nicodemus is saying, look, we, we all know that God sent you here. We all know that these miraculous signs that you're doing are evidence. They're evidence that God is with you. And Jesus goes, oh, you know what? You can't get into heaven unless you're born again. What? I mean, what, what are you talking about? See, I think, honestly, Nicodemus came to Jesus on this night in dark because he wanted to have this, like, theological, you know, discussion with Jesus. And I, I even think that based on what we know about Pharisees, that this, and this, this is just me, but I think that Nicodemus was looking for, wow, Nicodemus, you know a lot. Like, you're, 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 you're something. You are a Jewish leader. You are a Pharisee. Good job, man. Good job, buddy. Keep it up. And what does Jesus do? He flips the conversation on its head. It says, oh, you're not going to get to heaven unless you're born again. You, Nicodemus. Wait, but didn't you hear that I'm a Jewish leader and I'm a Pharisee? See, I came to you, Jesus, for you to teach me things. I came so that I could be more learned, like that second syllable, all right? So that I could know more and, and I, could be, I could be more puffed up in my understanding, in my knowledge of scripture and of things. And Jesus saying, no, it doesn't work that way. You're not going to get to heaven unless you're born again. And listen to, to Nicodemus's response here in verse four. What do you mean? <laughs> Exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? It's amazing when we think that we know everything and we go to Jesus, how quickly he reveals to us, we don't know nothing, right? In this moment, Nicodemus goes to Jesus and says these things that he thinks are going to be well received. And what he is told is that no, everything that he's done up until this point in his life all the schooling, all the traditions, all the religion, all the memorization, all the tithing, all those things haven't gotten him into heaven at all. Wow. Tough pill to swallow. And what Nicodemus says is, what are you talking about? What do you mean I'm not going to get into heaven? What are you talking about this born again? I don't understand. I don't understand from a Pharisee how to get into heaven. Think Jesus was a little radical in those days? I think he may have been. I think he may have been. So what I want to talk to you all about this morning is about the difference between understanding and believing. Because if we only focus on understanding, we're going to sound a lot like Nicodemus. But if we believe, if we believe, then we're set free. And it starts there first. You see, here's the thing, y'all. Knowing and trying to only know, trying to understand, trying to gain knowledge, and that is our, our whole motivation, that is a religious spirit that is all about me, 
that is self-centered in me. Because the more that I try and attain, the more that I try and know, and that, is, that becomes my God in my idol, then what I want then is affirmation from other people and even from Jesus. And what's gonna happen is a lot like Nicodemus. We go to Jesus and he flips the conversation and we have no clue what he's talking about. And we leave the complete opposite of what we wanted. Verse five, it says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water in the spirit. So here it is two times. First, Jesus says, listen, you, cannot, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven if you're not born again. Then he says you can't enter. So those two things, look, you can't even see it. You can't even picture it. Your eyes are not ever gonna gaze the kingdom of heaven if you aren't born again. And then you can't, you're not gonna enter it. And here's, here's, the, here's the thing about this born again that Jesus is talking about that Nicodemus has such a hard time with that he doesn't understand. He's think, he thinks he's talking about a fleshly born again. What do you mean I'm, I'm born already? I can't be born again. And Jesus said, look, it's about, the, it's about being born again of the water and of the spirit. Listen to this. If a nation passed a law that said no one could live there except those who were born in that nation, and someone wanted to live there who was not born there, it wouldn't matter if he took a name that was common in that nation. It wouldn't matter if he spoke the language. It wouldn't matter if he observed some of the customs. It wouldn't matter if he dressed like those in that nation. It wouldn't matter if he practiced some of the religious traditions of that nation. It wouldn't matter if his parents were born in that nation. It wouldn't matter if his children were born there. It wouldn't matter if he had many friends in that nation. All that would matter was if he was actually born there. That's what matters. As we sit here in church, it does not matter if you grew up in church and if you went to every single VBS every summer. It does not matter if you tithe every single week and you serve in the back or on stage. It does not matter if, if, if whatever it might be, if you can quote every scripture in the Bible, if you aren't born again, you ain't getting in. And you know why? It's not because Jesus is being mean. It's because he's after your citizenship of heaven. He wants, you to, he wants us, when we go into heaven, to not feel like guests, but that we belong because we are born into it. And so we never have to question if we belong. And so when he says he wants you to be born again, he's saying, look, you might be born of this country or that country or whatever. I want you to be born of my country. I want you to be a citizen of heaven where when you walk in, you don't have to wonder, am I getting in? Listen, I don't, I don't wonder about where I'm from. I know where I'm from. I'm from Jack's Beach, born and raised. That's where I'm from. And when I get to heaven, when my time comes, I'm gonna walk in just like I do, wake up every morning here because I'm a citizen of heaven, because I've been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I don't have to earn it. It's not about anything I've given. But what's awesome is once we walk in that new citizenship, those things become, become a desire for us to want to give, to want to learn scripture, to want to go to church, not have to learn scripture and have to tithe and have to go to church. It's our desire because you know what? This is our home. Mm. 
It goes on in verse 6. Humans can reproduce only human life. This is Jesus talking. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus just tells him, you can't explain it, all right? We can't explain the Holy Spirit, all right? All we can do is confess the Holy Spirit and speak on the Holy Spirit and how he's worked in our hearts and in our lives. That's the explanation, is our testimony. But we can't, out of Jesus' mouth, explain it. And then Nicodemus actually asks, how are these things possible? Listen, when it comes to not being able to explain it, we're off the hook. I read that and I was like, whew, thank you, Jesus. I don't know how I would explain it. Thank you for saying that I can't. I thought that was my job, but apparently it's not. It's your job. You know, Jews and Pharisees especially, they believed up until Jesus. This is why they had a lot of problems with Jesus, is they believed as Jews that it was their birthright. It was their birthright to get into heaven. Hey, I'm a Jew. I'm good. And then Jesus comes and says, no. And then, and then on top of that, after Jesus is raised from the dead and goes to heaven, it's like, oh, by the way, it's not just Jews. It's everybody. Right. And then that really throws them for a loop because up until that point, all of their suffering has been because it's just them and they're earning this right to heaven. Oh, well, you know, they have this to hold on to. She says, no, no, no. Anybody can be born again. Anybody. Anybody that does this one thing. Starting in verse 10, Jesus replied, You are a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't, hear it is, y'all, believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me, when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven in return, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's not about your understanding. Do you believe? And here's what I love in this moment as he's talking to Nicodemus. If we go back to verse one, uh, excuse me, verse two, Nicodemus refers to him as rabbi, right? As teacher. And Jesus is. He is a, he is a teacher. God's love and, and all those things. But here he also says, I ain't just a teacher, Nicodemus. I'm the son of man. You, you were saying that God sent me and that my miracles were evidence that God is with me. I got news for you, bro. I am God. Okay? I am the word and I have become flesh and I am dwelling among you, Nicodemus, and I am talking to you face to face. It's more than just me teaching things to you. Do you believe? Now I'm to asking y'all, do you believe? Because that is where it all begins. Do we believe? Man, can you imagine what we would look like if we believed every second of every day that we are citizens of heaven? That that is our home? Can you imagine what that would look like? Verse 14, it goes on to say, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who 
believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus is referring to something that happens in Numbers 21 about this whole snake on a pole in the wilderness. Let's read that real quick because it's, it's so awesome in leading up to the next verse, which is John 3, 16. Numbers 21, starting in verse 4, says, Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Sound familiar? Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. So that is Jesus' reference as he says these next words in verse 16 of, chapter, of John chapter 3. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And so as we're talking about this whole understanding versus believing, what we're really talking about is the fact that we can't do it on our own. Because we've had these snakes come into our camp and we call them sin, right? That has, that has separated us from God. And we can try and earn this citizenship into heaven all we want. But Jesus says very plainly in black and white that unless we are born again, it ain't happening. And none of us can be born of God's spirit by our own doing. It's God that does it for us. And so in that moment of, of, of talking to Nicodemus, what he says in John 3.16 is, look, this isn't about, about punishment. It says God loves you. And he loves this world to the point where he saw the situation. He saw that there's nothing that we can do about it, that by our own doing, we can't even see the kingdom of heaven. And so he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him, not whoever figures it out, not whoever memorizes the most, not whoever does this, that, and the other, but whoever believes in him will not die, will have everlasting, eternal life. We won't need a stamped passport to get into heaven. We're citizens, baby. That's our home. Our mission statement here at Beaches Chapel is that this would be a home for all to begin and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. We want everybody. We'll take it. We'll take them all. Because that's what God says here, that he died for everybody. He came for everybody. He came for all. That whoever believes, that whoever believes, the scripture that we attach our mission statement to is out of Ephesians 2. And starting in verse 19, it says, you are no longer wandering exiles, 
This kingdom of faith is now your home country. In other words, as you believe, you now have a new home country. You are now citizens of a new home country. You are no longer strangers. You are no longer wanderers. You belong here with just as much right to the name Christian as anybody else. And God is building a home, irrespective, and he's using us, irrespective of how we got here. He's using each one of us, y'all. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you did last night or a couple days ago or what you, you, know, what you might be addicted to in this moment. God wants to use you. And if you believe, hear me, if you believe in him, then he will set you free. John 3.16 is, is a verse of freedom. And you know, if we go back to that story in Numbers when the Israelites were in the wilderness, you know what they didn't do as these snakes are coming into the camp and killing people? And Moses says, hey, look at this snake on the pole. They didn't go, how does that work? <laughs> I, I don't understand. You know, while this snake is latched onto their leg and they're dying, you know. I don't get it, God. Should I, should I memorize some verses before I look at the snake? Where, where's the tithe bucket before I look at the snake? What do I need to do to earn looking at the snake on the pole to get healed? They didn't do that. They understood that they were getting bit by snakes and they were dying in the wilderness. And so when Moses said, look at the snake on the pole, they looked at the snake on the pole. But for whatever reason... When we hear the message of the gospel that Jesus loves us so much that he hung on a cross for us, we say, yeah, but I don't understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're dying. We are dying. Stop asking questions and believe. And I promise you that as you believe, and you turn your heart and your faith and your trust to God, all those questions that you have either are going to be answered or you aren't going to care about those questions anymore Amen. because you're so consumed with the fact that you have now been born again by the Holy Spirit. And you're going to feel it and you're going to know it. And you're going to be able to say, I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen of this new kingdom of faith. And it is my home. It is my home. Moses had a snake on a pole, a replica of these snakes that were coming into their camp, right? Jesus was a replica of our sin. And he wasn't on a pole. He was hung on a cross. And if we turn to him, and if we look at him, and if we believe, if we believe what he says, that he can heal us, then we'll be saved. It is as simple as that. Let's not overcomplicate it. Let's have our band come back up. We're going to close this morning celebrating what God has done for us through communion. Here's, here's where I know that this whole understanding versus believing thing uh, where we will always fail at it. Because we didn't even get to the best part. We didn't even touch on the best part of John 3.16. And it's the last two words. Eternal life. Eternal life. 
We kind of skip over that a little bit. Say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die, but will have life. And we think about that in terms of here. Okay, awesome, God, you've saved me for this life. You saved me for now. And that's true. But we show our lack of understanding by not celebrating those last two words enough. Eternal life. Because the alternative is eternal death. It is hell. Forever. And when God saw the situation that we were in, that we couldn't do it ourselves, he sent Jesus so that we could have eternal life. And that word life as he defines it, that is free of sin, that is free of pain, of shame, of guilt, of worry, of stress, of broken relationships, of how to pay the bills, of lost loved ones. That's not life how God defines it. How God defines life is life to the full, is rich, where all food tastes good and none of it makes you gain any weight, right? Of, 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 of com pure communion with him, where there is no divide, of loving your neighbor without effort, right? Without offense, without any of those things. You see, the thing is, if we truly understood what God was saying in this moment, like we try to all the time, and we got to those two words, eternal life, listen, there would be a dance party up here every single Sunday. There would be people kneeling and sobbing and snot coming out of our, out of our nose because of what Jesus rescued us from, which is eternal death. But we don't have that. He rescued us, y'all, and he's giving us eternal life. He is giving us citizenship in heaven that awaits us forever. That is worth celebrating. That is worth worshiping over. And all we have to do is believe. And I wanna say this this morning. Maybe you're sitting here and, and you, you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe it's been a while. And in that moment when you did, you remember you, you believed and it was good. And it was, I mean, you, you just, you were shaking and you got the chills and all that stuff. And, and life for a season was just, you were on fire. But as time goes on, life happens. The honeymoon with Jesus can end. And that belief that you had then, you might not have right now. And you're having a hard time believing. And you wanna get back to that place where you first believed. You wanna get back to that first love with Jesus. But you're just having a hard time. I wanna pray for you this morning. God's saying, I haven't changed. I'm still the same Jesus. I still died for you. I still care about you the exact same way. I haven't changed. So let's refocus your heart. Let's refocus your eyes back on me. Fix your eyes on me and remember to just believe it's not on you. And then for those this morning that have never received Jesus as your savior, you've been trying to do it all on your own. Everything has been about earning it and works and trying to be this person that, that you're not. It's time to stop all that and believe 
believe and trust that God will give you the understanding after you take that step. But listen, it's never gonna happen the other way around. We never understand to believe. We believe to understanding every time. I promise you. So if you could this morning, all of us, let's just reaffirm our faith. Let's celebrate what Jesus did by once again telling him that he is our Lord and Savior. And if this is your first time, say it out loud. We're all gonna say it together. Say it out loud with meaning this morning. Let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, we thank you that you saved us. That it's not about our own doing. Father, we believe that you sent Jesus to live, to die, and to be raised again for us. We ask that you forgive us of all of our sins. Wash us new this morning and come into our hearts and be Lord of our lives. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, I believe. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can turn to you and we can look at the cross. We can look at the words in your scripture every day and know that they are real. And God, for those that are struggling right now, that are really struggling with their belief, that are weary, that are jaded, that are frustrated, maybe even angry at a situation or at you, Father, that when they call out to you, it's like crickets. Father, I pray, Lord, right now that they would remember to simply believe, to continue to believe, to fan that flame of belief in their hearts, God, to not look at the situation around them, but to get in your word, to fall on their knees, Father, and to cry out, help me, Lord. Say, I believe, despite my circumstances, I believe. Father, return that hope to them in Jesus' name right now. Return that hope to them, Father. Awaken their hearts to you. Return them back to their first love, God, that you are the source of life for them. Not drugs, not alcohol, not pornography, not not money, not anything, Father, but you. Cut off all those other things in Jesus' name and bring them back to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's prepare for communion now. I'm just gonna pray. Father, we thank you, Lord that you're so much more than a snake on a pole. Jesus, you were alive. You were flesh and blood, just like us, but also so much more than us. You were rabbi and you were son of God. You were Jesus, but you were the son of God. You were son and brother and friend, but you were son of God. And in those moments, God, of your, of your death, You didn't change, you didn't morph into something else. You didn't all of a sudden decide to not feel pain. You didn't cheapen the moment in any way. You stayed in that flesh and you felt every whip, every punch, every kick, every spit in your face, every insult. You felt it all, Lord. You felt the nails in your hands. You felt the nails in your legs. You felt the crown of thorns on your head. You felt the the suffocating on the cross of not being able to breathe. You felt it all, Lord. You felt the weight of the sin 
that we committed, that you took on yourself so that we could be set free and so that we could be born again and have citizenship with you in heaven, not as a guest, not as a guest, not sneaking in the back door, but that we can walk proudly through the gates of heaven, knowing that we belong because of what you did, Lord, not because of what we did. Lord, right now we believe and we say thank you for your body that was broken, that made all of this possible, that made church this morning possible, and that made eternity with you possible. Let's take the bread right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your blood that was poured out, poured out, Father. With all those wounds that you had, blood just coming down, Lord, you knew then what that blood meant. You let it flow out of your body so that we could come to you at every moment of every day and say, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me. I've messed up again forgive me and that blood washes us clean God I, I thank you that because when we believe in you when we're born again and we're, we're, we're part of this family that you're creating that when we come to you and we do repent God we do it out of, without any fear because we know we belong we're not going to be condemned we're not going to be judged we come to you we run to you in times of repentance to be set free, to be washed clean, to be separated from those sins that we struggle with every single day. And we can do that because of your blood that was shed for us that makes us clean. And God, I just, I do wanna pray right now for those that are struggling in whatever area it might be with an addiction or just as even Paul wrote, the things that we, we, we don't wanna do, we keep doing, Lord. God, that we would remember to come to you we can do it without being afraid because we belong to you. You already paid the price and we're born again. Help us all in those moments to run to you and ask for forgiveness quickly and know that your blood washes us clean. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this moment that we're in right now, Father. Thank you, Jesus. God, we exalt you, Lord. We exalt you, Father. And we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made. God, we don't, we don't know. I mean, I wonder, Lord, I wonder when you said this verse, John 3, 16 to Nicodemus, if you knew in that moment as you were saying it, what was gonna happen with that verse, Lord, the weight that it carries even to this moment right now that we're in. I, I marvel at those things, Lord. I really do. Thank you for saying it. Thank you for meaning it. God, thank you for giving Jesus up for us. Thank you for that sacrifice that you made. So that if we believe in him, if we turn our eyes to him, like the Israelites in the desert did with that snake on the rod, if we turn our eyes, Lord, if we believe, we'll be with you. Thank you, God. You are worthy of our praise, oh God. You are worthy, Jesus. 
You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. Let's stand and let's worship this morning. Thank you, Lord.